Hey, welcome to Holistically Hope with Rachel Pontillo. I'm Rachel Pontillo, and today I share with you part one of my two-part interview series with the wonderful Sarika Cernahouse from NaturallyLivingToday.com. Sarika is also the author of The Funky Kitchen, and she is a licensed acupuncturist and traditional Chinese medicine practitioner. We have got so much to talk about today, so let's get right to it. Hi, Sarika. Thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much, Rachel. I'm so thrilled to be here. So I'm really excited to share today about TCM and acupuncture mm -hmm. and how that relates to skincare and overall health and wellness. And I'm just thrilled to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Me too. Awesome. <laughs> so I want to start with kind of the obvious question with acupuncture in the context of skincare. We hear an awful lot about it now as um, an alternative to Botox, facial acupuncture. Sure. But we know that it can obviously benefit the skin in other ways too. Mm -hmm. I would love if you could talk a little bit about both the anti-aging, you know, mm -hmm. I hate that term, the yeah. anti-aging <laughs> form of acupuncture, but also what other ways acupuncture is used to benefit the skin. For sure. Well, you know, I think one of the neatest things that acupuncture does is it allows for the body to get into a state of total relaxation. And so whether we're doing a full body treatment for someone or we're just doing a cosmetic acupuncture treatment, and I have to say when I do that, I'm also doing body points for someone. What we're getting into at that point is we're allowing the body to go from what would be a sympathetic override, which is where most people are most of the time, where they are moving, they're shaking, and they're not relaxing and rejuvenating and regrowing. And what happens with acupuncture treatments, whether just for cosmetic or for the entire body, is it helps to shift that person from that fight or flight sympathetic mode to a parasympathetic mode, which is based off of regeneration and the ability for the body to heal itself. And so much of what we see in the wrinkles and um, the character of a face is the emotional content and oftentimes the fear and exhaustion that a person is holding. And so if we can get that person to relax at that very sublime, deep level, that alone is going to help with the holding patterns that we, that we have in our faces. So on a global perspective, that's one of the really fantastic things that acupuncture does. I mean, I get done with my treatments for patients and one of the diagnostics is you check the pulse and and obviously you also are just watching that person and you're watching how their breathing changes you just feel the sense of shift of energy that's happening within them and inevitably when we get done I check the pulse again and it's way more balanced than when we began wow. and I just tell the patient you did such a good job because it was them doing the changing hmm. It was them that was allowing the healing to happen. I'm just there to kind of direct traffic. And so on a global perspective, that's, that's one of the really foundational things that acupuncture does. But when we get into the realm of working with skincare, and we're very specific about that as well, and we're using needles and maybe uh, rolling, uh, there are these little rolling pins almost that will have acupuncture needles on them. What these do, whether it's acupuncture needles or one of these little rolling uh, stem uh, devices, 
is we are increasing the circulation to the face. And just by that alone, by increasing the circulation to the tissues of the massage, what we are doing at that point is, of course, we are bringing more oxygen to the tissues. We are removing waste deposits. We're moving the lymph in the face. And so any puffiness, you know, that begins to move out as well. So there's another foundational thing that we're doing for the skin. But then we are also, uh, with these micro injuries that happen with doing acupuncture, we're also creating a place for a new plane of collagen and elastin to come in and to rebuild at those tissues. And so it has a manifold effect as we are looking at the different ways that acupuncture can help the system that way. Now, I've got to stop you real quick. Yeah. Now, you mentioned the little wheel with the little pins on it. Yes. It's a microneedling device. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm sure you know what I'm about to ask you because I see them for sale to estheticians at spa shows. Correct. I've also seen them on amazon.com. Mm -hmm. Now, anybody can buy them at a lot of places now. Yes. And I've seen millimeter lengths anywhere from a quarter of a millimeter, which I think is, is um, what estheticians are allowed to sell retail in their spas. And then I think up to, or the half millimeter, I think can be used by an esthetician, but anything higher than a half millimeter, they say that it's supposed to only be done by a licensed medical professional doctor, nurse, or acupuncturist who has an actual medical license to handle needles and use needles. That's right. But you can buy them on Amazon. So. I know. And it's something that a person can, it really is, it's a medical device. If you are pressing hard and you are going that deep into the skin where you're causing bleeding because of the depth of what you're doing there with the needle, it needs to be understood that you are really opening yourself up to potential infection by doing that. Because the whole, the whole design of these is that they're moving on the face. It's not that it's a single insertion and it is just going to stay there. It is something that is moving all over the face. And if a person is depressing with that in such a manner that they are creating open lesions, I mean, and that's what they are. They are open lesions where there's blood that the person is moving from place to place with different bacterial regions on the face. They are absolutely leaving themselves open to an infection, especially if there happens to be any type of acne or, you know, pimples or anything like that. So uh, what I want to say about that um, is that absolutely, if a person is looking to use something of that depth, that needs to be administered by a medical professional or an esthetician who has been trained in those techniques. Um, I would never, ever, ever suggest that a person get something like that and use it in that manner. Even when I use one of the dermal rollers in that respect, what I'm doing is it's a very light light stimulation that I'm using more to to create more circulation to the face. So you're not pressing down into the skin. Exactly. It's just a very light circulation and and, and with those very tiny needles um, it can very minutely create a slightly deeper space for uh, product to go into and so that that can have its benefit if it's being if it's being administered by a healthcare professional who has you know created um, a very clean environment to work with on the face my my personal favorite is to work with nanoparticle silver oh, on the face yes as a 
you know, something that is just creating a very clean place for us to begin working. Um, and even when it comes to needling, uh, using acupuncture for needling, there are different schools of thought on that as well. Mm -hmm. The way that I practice is I rarely ever needle deeply. And so my needles, when I put them in, whether they're in the face of the body, they're going in maybe a millimeter. Okay, so okay. it's a very, very, very scant insertion. Um, it's it's uh, something that um, is not going to generally cause a lot of bruising or bleeding. I mean, when you get around the area of the eye, that can happen. Mm. But one of the points that's been made in the cosmetic acupuncture training that I've done is that Yes, we may come away with a little bit of bruising sometimes from doing cosmetic acupuncture, but that's about the extent of the damage. Whereas when a person has gone in for these more advanced cosmetic treatments, you know, whether it's injections, um, you know, Botox, this sort of thing, there's no turning back from that. You've done it. And you cannot put a paper bag over your face and go out into the world. If it doesn't turn out right, if you don't like the results, you're stuck with it. And it's a real point of no return. And so that's, that's such an important difference, I think, between you know, using natural therapies like cosmetic acupuncture and certainly using um, you know, just uh, good skincare techniques, using oils and things like that. Absolutely. I mean, with, with those procedures like Botox or fillers, not only can you not predict how your own body is going to react to the toxins or the chemicals, right. but they're also, each and every single one of them is technique dependent. So yeah. just because one doctor or cosmetic nurse knows how to do Botox really well does not mean they can do fillers really well. That's right. And vice versa. So you don't know what you're getting. And it's it's a little frightening because now you see Botox and fillers happening at dentist's office, at oh. medical spas with, you know, certain healthcare providers supervising, but they're not actually on premises. That's so right. I think that there's a lot of safety issues that just don't get taken into consideration in the pursuit of smoother, more youthful skin. Exactly. Now, one more quick question about the uh, microneedling before we move on. Yes. The, real, the, at, the ones that are sold for at-home use at spas, the ones I believe that are a quarter millimeter, mm -hmm. do you th are there any contraindications to using those at home on a regular basis? Well, I would definitely want the person to be trained by the practitioner from whom they purchased it. Mm -hmm. They need to make sure that they're not pushing too hard and creating that injury on the face. Uh, another place though where I would be concerned about using something like that is with a person who again maybe has some you know lesions, infections on the face you know from uh, even even I would be concerned about rosacea mm -hmm. um, where we're, there's already a stimulation of the capillary bed at that area. We probably don't need more of that and that's where you know in the patterns of rosacea, of eggs psoriasis and acne um, and also extra thin skin this is what we see in women who've had hysterectomies or they're postmenopausal or they spend a tremendous amount of time in the sun have really damaged that mm -hmm. that underlayer on their skin in all of these instances it's super super important that that 
what we're focused on more, in my opinion, is not so much what we're seeing out here, but what's going on inside and how we're healing with nutrition and uh, not creating additional damage to an organ. Our skin is an organ. It's our largest organ that is already showing us that it is stressed. And so in those types of presentations, I would also be very wary of using something like that at home and really be focused more on the inside and then using good natural topical product on the outside. That's really important to note, definitely. So if someone is considering facial acupuncture or acupuncture of any kind, what are some things they should look for in an acupuncturist? What should they what kind of questions should I, what should they ask? What should they know about that practice before they even get on the bed? For sure. You know, every state has its own licensure requirements. And so it's going to be different. I wish I could say that there was an across the board answer to that. However, there is the national certification for acupuncturists that, that I believe all states have to undertake. And so um, you want to make sure that someone is certified nationally to practice acupuncture at the very least. And if your state requires licensure, so I'm licensed to practice in California and Arizona. And so in both of these states, uh, I had to pass licensing requirements. So you want to make sure that that person, uh, if the state requires it, that they're licensed as well. It's an additional hoop that somebody needs to, to go through. Um, and then your, your next question to them is maybe ask them how many years they've been in practice. You know, what is the style of practice that they do? And who are the types of people and types of uh, presentations that they find that they most work with? Mm. And then I think, as anything in life, one of the biggest things is how you feel with that person. I think it's incredibly important to find a person that you resonate with. And in some areas of the country, there just aren't that many acupuncturists. Yeah. You know, um, in California, we have plenty. In Arizona, we have plenty. And so it's not so hard to find someone that kind of fits your style. I, I practice uh, with a home office. I don't advertise. No one should know that I practice acupuncture other than the fact that they come to me through referral. Wow. And I have a very busy practice. Excellent. And so I know that the people coming to me, I'm probably already going to have a connection with because I have a connection with someone close to them. And so a referral coming from uh, someone close to you whom you trust is another great way to begin to build that rapport before you even meet. That's so important. So, it um, is. Yeah, I, I think that's a really important point because some people might just go to the internet to find someone and then you get to that office and you get just a negative feeling when you walk in and then you have to go back to square one. So yes. asking asking someone you know who already has a relationship with an acupuncturist would be a good start. It is. You know, it, acupuncture is something where, certainly with the way I practice it, there is a lot of personal interaction that I have with my patients. The emotional content of a person's life is a very important um, uh, component to understanding how to help that person. And so you want to feel safe and confident with the practitioner that you're working with. It's very important that the practitioner beyond kind of the same wavelength as the person, you know, who's coming to see them, that there is that connection there. there there's going to be synergy that happens in the relationship. Definitely. I, th I think that's something that's really special about traditional Chinese medicine in general is that because it works along the energetic meridians of the body, 
rather than just an isolated organ or an isolated symptom. It, the energetic connection between the patient and the practitioner really has to be in alignment for the best benefits to happen. I love that. So speaking of Chinese medicine, you are a practitioner of traditional Chinese medicine. Can you share a bit about how TCM approaches skincare and skin health versus how a Western medical modality might do so? Absolutely. One of the great things about Chinese medicine is that, um, as we've alluded to, you know, here we are, we're talking about the emotional content of people's lives. It covers everything. Nothing is left out. It truly is a holistic system. And one of the ways that we kind of parse things out is through what is known as the five element system. And when it comes to the skin in the five element paradigm of traditional Chinese medicine, that is the flower of the metal element. And internally, the metal element is the lung and the large intestine in terms of organ function. But the way that it presents on the, in the, on the body to the outside world is through the skin. Um, another example of that, just to kind of give you some more framework, is that the wood element in Chinese medicine is indicative of liver and gallbladder function and its flower to the world is the eyes. And so there are different ways that we kind of correlate information to different organ systems. And it's interesting because now in Western biomedicine, what we see so often is that when we talk about issues related to the skin, again, as I'd mentioned earlier, if we're talking about psoriasis, uh, um, eczema, uh, if we're talking about acne, Oftentimes, what Western medicine is beginning to recognize is this has a direct connection to what's going on with the epithelial tissue within the gut and other disturbances of bacteria within, within the inner body, uh, inability to break down foods properly. Well, when the body is, is impeded in some way in its natural flow of release from the body, and that's the normal exit pathways of the large intestine, the small intestine, the lymph. Um, when everything starts backing up a little bit too much, one of the other exit pathways that the body will use is the skin. And so it's very interesting to see this kind of coming full circle with medicine now, where it's recognized that, whoa, to, to take care of this, we have to take care of the inside. And so traditional Chinese medicine, I think it would be very common for most practitioners if they're seeing... Um, uh, that there is some kind of disturbance on the skin. They want to really look and see what's going on uh, internally that way. Hey, thanks so much for watching today. Make sure you check back soon for part two of this interview with Sarika Cerna House. And make sure in the meantime, you come on over to holisticallyhope.com and naturallylivingtoday.com for more great information. This is Rachel Pontillo, and I'm signing off for now.